0: If Fog Could Sing Stories by Charlie Price Mantis by Charlie Price Read by Robert Price Before him, I had only myself to look at. Big-eyed narcissus. Watching me, watching myself in car windows, shop windows, mirrors. Ever since I discovered reflection, I was taken with me. I suppose they wanted me to focus on something outside myself. So when I was a boy, for one of my early birthdays, back when each one was significant and demanded kingly festivity, I received a living gift. The gift had six legs, enigmatic spheres for eyes that never looked quite at you, and yet you never felt unseen by them. A storage case of big glassy wings kept locked beneath two long wing-pads only occasionally dislodged by a sudden spasmodic flutter, like a sneeze's insect equivalent, a look in its triangular face of enigma of mysterious danger, mandibles in the chin, puzzling over some problem that only mattered to it and could only possibly matter in its weird world, and two curled, vicious, barbed scimitars elevated before him in perpetual violent prayer that lent to my green gift's appearance a look of the nefarious and thankfully extinct Velociraptor. My mantis was in a glass cage among a network of bramble stems and bramble leaves. I unwrapped the glass case of brambles and hunted for the precious thing within. And then he appeared, miraculous, a skulking angel, a tiny archangelical alien, a titan in his world, or perhaps a demon a little voice of sibilant darkness in a sinner's ear. He was sitting, his green horizontal in perfect poise upon a leaf. He's horrible, ugly little thing, I remember Granny cried out, not wishing anything more to do with the creature, having looked for him among the leafage with some difficulty and been repulsed by him within seconds. But I loved him. I loved spying him, parking my open blue right eye against the glass, like a moon glimpse through the lethal bramble boughs, and not being able to see anything moving, the leaf and spines, and the thing that could camouflage itself among the leaf and spines, not yet separable to me. And then he would suddenly be made visible to me, my eye, growing more experienced in his ways with every passing day, found him, and I couldn't unsee him. We fed him little house crickets. I enjoyed his strategy of stillness. He was so adept. He was a living snare, still as a grave. And out of such stillness, the brief crane towards the victim cricket was terrifying, and the sudden stab downward with his sparingly utilised utensils was exhilarating as the little cricket struggled, impaled in the jaw-like arms, and stopped struggling as he was sucked down the windpipe of his merciless and final captor in little pieces. It was a delight to watch his feeding, to observe his violent ritual, nothing but quotidian to him, sustenance, to dangle about him, and tease him with such jumping-legged ticked bits of crickets, just to gaze upon his caged majesty, hours and hours, my eyes at his window walls. It was a fixation for me, to find him with my eyes, to watch him found by my glare, my glaring eye. One. Two. Each eye a celestial body in his world. He didn't seem to react. He died within a month. Attempting to shed his skin, he suffocated and collapsed in a death slump while attempting to disrobe himself of his skin. A paper twin, an image of himself, a frail likeness hanging off his back. In this undignified and arcane ruin of himself, even in death, the new mantis rearing stillly into the world from beneath the catastrophic corpse of his shed self. He died. Two mantises. I watched every minute of the abortive procedure, enchanted, darkly, exhilarated. But finally, I was a little devastated. Fortunately, I discovered girls, and I liked to stare at them, stare at their rituals, their long hair, their skirts. Sometimes, just sometimes, when I stared at a girl on the tube opposite me, or stared at a girl I was obsessed with, eating her lunch, filling her body, nourishing herself, her open jaws devouring vivid mouthfuls of ensnared mash on her fork, I would sometimes think of those long hours, those long hours when I was a boy, watching Mantis, watching Mantis sitting, watching Mantis opening and closing his mouth, opening and closing his weapons. I'm older now. There's a new Mantis in my life. Sheila, is enormous, an enormous female praying mantis. She appeared to me at night. I looked up, having been woken by some noise within or nightmare without, and there she was in a corner of the room, a large, slim, long, psychopathic, poignant mantis face, silver, but not as silver as the huge lunar eyes, bulbs in the darkness, and the mandibles in constant scuttling animation, the triangular face bearing a look of mysterious lethality. Her folded weapons elevated before her, the locked spines enormous and gleaming. The lady mantis crept towards me, deftly on her legs, which creaked, with weight, like trees, until her face was as large as a landscape, a hydra. Her tongue fluttered from her mouth, and she stuck it down my throat. I obliged the Lady Mantis, accepted her fierce advance, so tranced by the toxic spell of her eyes. Me and Sheila have been going steady, I call her Sheila. She doesn't have a name, I don't think. Wherever we go, pubs for pints, cafes for coffee, dinner, people run away screaming. But I'm not ashamed of Sheila. She's very beautiful. She is enormous. She is a mantis. She is disagreeable sometimes and hisses at me and sometimes opens and closes her pincers menacingly and threatens to eat me But what couple doesn't have its skirmishes? To celebrate three months of going steady, we went to a cocktail bar. All the people ran away screaming, even the bar staff, and we just helped ourselves to drinks. While sitting opposite one another, myself enjoying some straight bourbon, she, an old-fashioned mixed in a goldfish bowl, the conversation flowing quite pleasantly, I talking non-stop and she just listening because she didn't know how to talk. There came, with a suddenness that took us both by surprise, a terrible, shuddering sound, a tensed, thudding palpitation, like the distressful sound a tree trunk admits when pushed almost to breaking in a storm. Sheila made a terrifying, bubbling noise, a long, fluttering, disconcerting note, like the sound of a little man being force-fed in some chamber of her abdomen. She screamed, a hiss, and a pocket of forceful air seemed to inflate her outward form and puff by puff, minute by minute, the latest layer of her skin began to lift from her body, peeling off, in ribbons at first, and then a perfect, glove-like garment of herself, a paper doppelganger, of her own birthing, delivered out of her invertebrate back. Her shape, her image, but in a sepia film, fuzzy, pallid, like a decayed leaf, was lifted off her triangular head, her mandibles humming, her bladed antennae slicing through the soul-like casing. Her body warm and working, molten she molted and stepped, elevating and redropping all six of her dexterous six legs out of her shed skin, as though that skin were swimming trunks that had fallen to her feet in the changing room and fettered her for a time. Naturally, I remembered my own pet praying Mantis's failed attempt to shed his own skin, how I had watched his fatal efforts. But she had done it. Sheila, She done it. She was a layer more vital, a layer healthier, a new mantis. An onion grows moister, softer, more succulent the deeper the layered depths one plumbs. I looms towards her, and she looms towards me, her great triangular face, her stained glass eyes scintillating and schizophrenically flashing with ecstasy. Bent low, she smiled, a mantis smile. Then she stabbed forward with her two giant pincers with amazing suddenness, snapping me in half and ate both halves of my body. The top of me continued to live for a miserable week in her belly. It is dark and red like an unopened womb in here. I hear voices. I feel the rumble of the world. I feel the disorientating rise and fall and bumps and knocks of movement. She walks in the sun. I feel the sun's heat. I hear voices. I suppose she left her skin in that cocktail bar and there it sits, a weird, deathly monument, eyeless in the seating area. I'm about to go. I don't have long. I am unseen. I would love to see myself. See something. See anyone. Even Sheila's wonderful, awful, glassy, hydra eyes. I gave up hope that Sheila would be placated by some expert hand and a rescuer would enter her like a mine and take the top half of my body of this belching purgatory. Sometimes, in these... The last of my fevered, stinking sleeps. I imagine a beautiful girl in a little white dress walking by the belly of the towering Lady Mantis, the mantis a green horizontal, sailing like a craft through the sea of city buildings. She watches the hungry mantis with awe. She approaches. She rises up on an airplane staircase, puts her ear to the green scarab, gilded segmented busy flank of the mantis and she hears tinnily very quietly help help me